Thank you for listening to the podcast of Bible Baptist Church. Please visit our website at www.southbaybbc.org for more information. A longing desire for all people is that they always have their needs met. I think that's a desire that we might have as Christians and, uh, and not just the world. And also to have them in their perfectly ordered expectation. I think when we are wanting something and needing something, we have a goal in mind and we have a procedure in mind and also maybe a list in mind. And uh, I believe that we sometimes want it in a perfectly ordered expectation. Now, we know that this is a very far from the truth or maybe reality because we don't live in a perfectly ordered society. And furthermore, I believe that we are not perfect. And that's why our expectations could come short and and also could not be met. But in many cases, I believe through our lustful desires and expectations, we can easily think and perceive this way, and and we could go into that kind of temptation, and and, uh, we will think to always have our needs met and always win and always expect the best in every situation. Now, we might not perceive this way all the time, and all the affairs of life, but we need to understand that there might be areas where we do have some expectation in our family and maybe in our work or maybe in our church and maybe in our relationship or friendships. And I think we could easily uh, get tempted to expect something uh, in our perception, in our orderliness. And uh, I think uh, uh, we are always in uh, conflict with the uh, great disappointments when it is not met. And this can be very addicting, it can be very uh, uh, discouraging and, and because of the disappointments that we face often in conflict. And uh, as Christians this morning, uh, as much as we are expecting something in our lives, as we are wanting some orderliness and we are wanting some needs met and wants met, we need to make sure that our expectation is not from our doing or maybe from society, but our expectation is from the Lord. Because our God will always bring that, what we need, and also uh, what we truly desire in the Spirit. Because in the flesh, we could desire so many things, but it could be the very wrong thing that we need at the moment. And we need God's help. We need to expect great things from God and not from ourselves. We cannot expect perfection in our lives. We cannot expect perfect families. We cannot expect perfect homes, and we cannot expect perfect solutions or maybe perfect ideas. But the good news is that we have a perfect God. We have a perfect God this morning. He's always been perfect. He always will be. He never changes. As we have our mistakes, our sins, our errors, our faults, we could be very discouraged about that, and we're not living up to expectation, but we must conclude that our expectation is from him because our God is greater than our sins and our God is greater than our errors and our God is greater than our faults. The psalmist wrote, I love it, in Psalm 62, verse 5 through 6. It's on the screen. Let's read it together if we can. Ready? My soul, wait thou only upon God, for my expectation is from him. He only is my rock and my salvation He is my defense, I shall not be moved. What a great encouraging verse that is. 
Let's notice two words in this psalm. Psalm 62, verse 5 through 6. Look what it says. My soul. What is the next word there? Wait. Wait. I mean, you say, I struggle with being a uh, uh, I struggle with patience. Raise your hand. I do. I think most of us do. We are very impatient people, and we want things right away, especially in the American society. And, uh, you know, uh, we have everything fast here, especially in the Los Angeles area. And uh, I'm sure you could experience that as you are in traffic or as you're in the road, and you can see people always to, always on their way and trying to uh, get on schedule and trying to do things uh, according to uh, their uh, uh, perfect timing. And uh, we could see that all around. And, and as Christians today, we need to not resort to that, and we need not in any way try to bring that kind of atmosphere in our Christian walk with our Savior, Jesus Christ. We cannot bring the worldly atmosphere and the worldly expectations and how the world is moving to our growth in our Savior, Jesus Christ. And some of you might be new Christians and just going into church for the first time or maybe uh, being in a biblical church. I want you to be encouraged that, you know, everyone has their different pace of growth. Not everyone is going to be a super Christian by next week. Everyone is growing by the grace of our Savior, Jesus Christ. And by the way, you need grace because we're not perfect. That's why Christians are stumbling sometimes, and we are making faults, and we are making our mistakes, but our Savior Jesus Christ's grace is always sufficient. The just man falls seven times, but then rises up again. And ladies and gentlemen, let us make sure that we find grace in our walk with our Savior and wait upon Him, and we are not making hasty decisions all the time, because we made a mistake here, a mistake there, so let me try to resolve it on my own pace and my own decision. No, we wait upon the Lord in how God wants to resolve it and how God wants to deal with you. It's not doing something, it's really about being someone. It's being more like Jesus Christ. And I believe that takes time. And anyone could do something, okay? Anyone could just, you know, fill out a list of, things that they have done as Christians. But I believe being like our Savior Jesus Christ and having Christ mold us in our heart and having the mind of Christ comes every single day. And the outward man perisheth, the Bible says, but the inward man is renewed day by day. So we are growing day by day. Okay? And uh, it is the inward growth that we're looking for. And we got to wait upon the Lord. So that's the word that we need to concentrate as we think about our expectation from him. That's what the psalmist saying. My, my expectation is from God, and I'm just going to wait upon him. I'm not going to do anything. I'm not going to make hasty decisions. I'm, not, I'm just going to wait upon the Lord, and I want to just stand still, as we just heard the special moment ago. I just want to stand still, and I want to see God move. I want to see God move. And the second word we need to think about in Psalm 62 is the word only. I like that. My soul, wait thou only upon God. My expectation is from him. Now only patience, my friend, but the word only gives the communication of exclusiveness. And that he is the only one that we need to wait upon. 
and he is a true God, and he is the only omnipotent God, and he is the only Almighty, and that's why we need him so much. And we cannot go on with our lives always wanting and longing and even lusting in our own expectation. We will never be satisfied, or we will, uh, nor will we ever attain. And we need to expect great things from the Lord, because he is the only true God that we serve today. And ladies and gentlemen, let, let us not rely on uh, worldly philosophy. Let us not rely on self-help books. No, let us only rely on our Savior, Jesus Christ. And let us only rely on this book right here that we hold today. And let us only rely on the Holy Spirit and how he moves. And let us only rely on prayer as we make petition to the Lord. Let's just only rely on the Lord. And that's how we find ourselves in expecting grace things from God and not from anything else. Waiting and knowing that he is the only God. We need to give ourselves to God to realize his control. We need to give ourselves to God to realize his sovereignty, his favor, and also his power. I'm sure many of you know of Stephen Hawking. Stephen Hawking is an astrophysicist at Cambridge University and perhaps assessed to be the most intelligent man on earth. He has advanced a general theory of relativity farther than any person since Albert Einstein. Unfortunately, Hawking is afflicted with LS syndrome, Lou Gehrig's disease, and it will eventually take his life later on. He has been confined to a wheelchair for years where he can do little more than sit and think. Hawking has lost ability even to speak, and now he communicates by means of a computer that is operated from the tiniest movement of his fingertips. Hawking said that before he became ill, he had very little interest in life. By the way, the doctor gave him two years to live after he was diagnosed with Lou Gehrig's disease, but now he's been living for the last three decades or so. He called it a pointless existence before he got the Lou Gehrig's disease. He was, result, he was always result, resulting in life of sheer boredom. He drank too much and did very little work. And he learned that he had the syndrome and was not expected to live more than two years. The ultimate effect of that diagnosis beyond its initial shock was extremely positive. He claimed to have been happier after he, had, he was afflicted than before. And uh, we might be thinking, how can that be understood? Well, Hawking provided the answer. When one's expectations are reduced to zero, he said, one really appreciates everything that one does have. Now, this man does not believe that God exists. He's an atheist. Smart man, but he is not a wise man. He doesn't believe that God created him. He doesn't believe that God has given us the word of God. He doesn't believe that there's an accountability after this life is done. He doesn't believe in God. He believes in science. He also said, we are each free to believe what we want. It is my view that the simplest explanation is there is no God. No one created the universe and no one uh, directs our fate. This leads me to profound realization. There's probably no heaven and no afterlife either. We have this one life to appreciate the grand design of the universe, and for that, I am extremely grateful. This is the same man who recently announced last month in investing $100 million with the Russian tycoon Yuri Milner, 
to investigate and search for extraterrestrial life, which he's looking for aliens. Very smart man, but he is not in the right path, and he is not in the narrow way, but he's in the broad way of destruction. But he figured out in this humanistic effort to find peace in his expectation. Notice what he said. His expectation is down to zero. And I realized I could count some different things to be a blessing. Now, as Christians, I hope we do better than this. And how much more should we more, uh, should we more be encouraged and revived to know that our God is our expectation? This, God, this man right here doesn't believe in God. His expectation is from him and also the things around him. And he found his so-called peace. But as Christians today, how much more should we find that peace, the true peace in our Savior Jesus? Because our expectation is not from the flesh or of this world. But our expectation lies beyond this world. And it is in our God who lives forever and ever. And our hope in him will never be disappointed. And ladies and gentlemen, let us have faith in God. And our expectation in God is not zero. When we look at our lives, our expectation can be zero, yes. But when we have faith in our God, our expectation from him should be great for, his, for he is infinite and he is sovereign. And we just read about a wonderful story of the Gentile woman who sought Jesus Christ. And her expectation was not in herself, and it was down to zero, by the way. And she was nothing before the Lord, she admitted that. But she knew that she could expect more from God. She had a daughter who was vexed with the devil, and her expectation came, not from herself, not from any sorcerers or any other religion, but her expectation was from Jesus Christ. What can we learn from this latest petition to the Lord? I'd like to share with you three biblical approaches that she made to Jesus, that experienced, that, that had her experience, expectation beyond that she could think or even ask. Number one, if you're taking notes this morning, let's think about the call for mercy. The call for mercy. Verse 21 and verse 22. Then Jesus went thence and departed into the coast of Tyre and Sidon. And behold, a woman of Canaan came out of the same coast and cried unto him, saying, Have mercy on me, Lord. Thou son of David, my daughter is grievously vexed with a devil. You know, as we think about grace, grace is receiving something that we don't deserve. That's what grace is. Now, mercy is the opposite. Well, it's a, a term that we could also appreciate, and it's good for us to have. But mercy is withholding something that you truly deserve. As a sinner, I deserve to go to hell. But the Bible says in John 3, 36, He that believeth on the Son hath everlasting life. But he that believeth not the Son shall not see life, but the wrath of God abideth on him. So when I received Christ my personal Savior at the age of 18 years old, the, what I truly deserved was the wrath of God. Okay. I, before, before I received Christ, it was the wrath of God. That's what I deserved. But when I received Christ my Savior, the wrath of God has been removed. What, we deserve, what I deserve has been removed. And that's what mercy is. 
It's withholding something that we truly deserve. It could be that this woman in the story of Canaan understood that she certainly deserved what she was struggling with, how her daughter was possessed with the devil. And it could be that she had made some mistakes in the past, and she is just simply reaping what she sowed. Maybe she committed some sins in her life. Maybe she disobeyed the Lord. Maybe she was in bitterness. Or maybe she just realized that this is a sinful world, and also she has a sinful nature, and that uh, this is just a byproduct of the groaning and the pains of this world. But it's very true, it's very clear that she called not for grace first, but she called for mercy. She called for mercy. She's asking God to remove something that she really deserves. Oh, ladies and gentlemen, before we expect anything from the Lord, we need to evaluate this in our lives, just like this lady of Canaan. Let us remember that sin does hinder our prayers. Our mistakes, our sowing, does hinder our prayers, does hinder our expectation from the Lord. In Isaiah 59, verse 1, Behold, the Lord's hand is not shortened, that it cannot save, neither is ear heavy, that it cannot hear. What is God saying? I am a God of possibility. There is no impossible situation. I could save you. I could even forgive you. I could restore your land. I could restore your uh, people. That's what he's saying to Israel. And your expectation should be great for me. But something's hindering it. Let's look at verse 2. The Bible says, But your iniquities have separated between you and your God, and your sins have hid his face from you, that he will not hear. You see, sin hinders our prayer and the petition of expectation. Do you have some sin in your life that's hindering some prayers today? You might be longing something great from the Lord, but God says, I'm sorry, I can't hear you. I see your sin. You might expect great things from me, but I see some iniquities that are abounding in your life, and it is hidden in your closet, and there's a lot of skeletons there, and I want you to know that you need to restore that first before you expect anything from me. Oh, sin hinders revival and restoration as well. In 2 Chronicles chapter 7, verse 14, If my people which are called by my name shall humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then will I hear from heaven and will forgive their sins and will heal their land. You see, uh, God promised Israel, hey, if you ever backslide, if you ever make a mistake, I want you to know that you could expect great things from me. But I could only restore your land. I could only give you revival. I could only get you back up again as long as you admit that you have sinned against me and that you're asking for forgiveness. By the way, God is not asking a lot, amen? He's not asking us to backtrack, okay, and go back in time and try to reduce things that we have uh, terribly done. No, God is just simply saying, confess that you're a sinner. Repent. To submit that you have done wrong and you have sinned, not against your family, not against anybody else, but you have sinned against me. And God is not asking a lot, my friend. He is asking for your heart to be broken, for your pride to be broken. God said in James, draw near to, uh, 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 concerning himself, draw near to God and, and uh, he will draw nigh to you. 
And he says to wash your hands and cleanse your hearts. And uh, are we willing to do that as Christians so that we could have our expectation from him? Sometimes we're so prideful and arrogant and so wicked in our hearts and so deceived to think that everything's okay. But ladies and gentlemen, we were fooling ourselves. And God is not mocked, by the way. You will reap what you sow. And before we want expectation, before we want grace, something that we don't deserve, and we want the blessing, before we want that, we got to call for mercy. And we got to ask the Lord, Lord, is there anything in my heart? Cleanse my heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. We ought to pray like the psalmist, David, Oh, search me, O God, and know my thoughts. See if there be any wicked way in me. You're expecting great things from God and you want grace? No, you've got to ask for mercy first, my friend. That's how salvation is. Some people are saying, oh, just believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. You have heaven as your home and you have your sins forgiven and just believe. No, ladies and gentlemen, we've got to repent first. We've got to ask for mercy first. When I was 18 years old, I realized I was going to hell, and that's what I deserved, and I needed mercy. Lord, would you remove this sentence from me? And you're the only Savior that could do that. I call for mercy, and then God gave me grace. And ladies and gentlemen, if you're not born again this morning, call for mercy. What you deserve is a lake of fire. It's not heaven. You have sinned against him. Just observe your life from the day of your birth and even now and also even the future. You know you're going to make your mistake. You know you're going to sin. You know you have a sinful nature. You know you're perfect. Your life is not perfect. That's why Jesus Christ came down and that's why he provided the salvation of grace. But we cannot have the salvation of grace unless we call for mercy and, and realize that we are a sinner, realize that we don't deserve heaven, realize that we deserve hell. And we need to receive him. As a penitent sinner and admitting who we are and also realizing who he is and receiving him, that wonderful grace, that wonderful salvation. Would you do that this morning if you're not born again? Plead for mercy first and then God will provide the grace. Oh, if you're a Christian today, are you right with him? You might be thinking, where is God in these moments? Where is God's blessing Where is the good gift that comes from heaven without shadow of turning? Where is that? I see it in the scripture. I I should be expecting great things from God. But God says, no, I can't do that. If you're not pleading for mercy, I see some sin in your life. And by the way, thank God his mercy is everlasting. Deuteronomy chapter 7 verse 9. Know therefore that the Lord thy God, he is God, the faithful God, who keep the covenant and mercy with them that love him, and keep his commandments to a thousand generations. You can find his mercy today, you can find mercy tomorrow, you can find mercy next week, you can find mercy next month, you can find mercy next year, and you can find mercy decade from now, and you can find mercy in heaven. Why? His mercy is everlasting. Oh, I think about two categories of people in Psalm 118. Look what it says. 
Psalm 18 talks about the mercy of God enduring forever and ever, and then talks about different people. And the first, per, uh, the first group here talks about, let Israel now say that his mercy endures forever. Israel was a chosen people of God, but God called them a stiff-necked, hardened people. They were very stubborn people. They committed idolatry, ran away from the Lord, repented, go back to idolatry again, going back and forth. And this verse has very significant application for our lives as well, how we go back and forth to God all the time. But God says, my mercy endures forever. I think about the house of Aaron in verse uh, number 3, the next verse. Let the house of Aaron now say that his mercy endureth forever. And we talked about Aaron uh, several weeks back, and Aaron uh, was a high priest of God. But I believe that he really didn't deserve that position because he was a wavering man. He always uh, uh, observed what the crowd wanted, and that's why he built that golden calf as uh, the man of God, Moses, receiving tablets of stones, a commandment from the Lord. And then uh, uh, also uh, he made the Israelites dance and also do wicked things things before God and, and call that calf and that golden image as the God who delivered them out of the land of Egypt. And also even uh, uh, Aaron made the mistake of uh, 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 accusing and uh, uh, Moses, his brother, of marrying an Ethiopian woman along with Miriam. And, she, and he always went with the flow, always listened to others rather than having principle and conviction. But the house of Aaron continued on to be the high priest. And ladies and gentlemen, why was that? Because his mercy endureth forever. His mercy endureth forever. Ladies and gentlemen, a lot of things we don't deserve today, we've got to count those. And there are a lot of things that we do deserve, we've got to count those too. You know, sometimes we can think about all the things that we love so much and the blessings. You know, count your blessings, name them one by one. You know, sometimes we could abuse that and we get tired of that. And then what we do is we want more. Well, but ladies and gentlemen, we need to go to the other side and to think about what we really deserve. You could count about the things that you don't deserve. And find the great, wonderful joy about that. But how about the things that you really deserve as a sinner? Oh, ladies and gentlemen, I think we'll get to another level of Christianity of gratitude and also humility. And I believe we need to call for mercy. Oh, as Christians, let us make sure we have that right balance there. And as Christians, I hope... We have the opportunity to see great things from God because our expectation is from him, but we can never have that unless we're right with him. Be right with him first, my friends. Number two, this, is, this lady realized this. Number two, the cry with importunity now. The cry with importunity. Verse 23, verse 25. And he answered, and not a word. And disciples came and besought him, saying, Send her away. Oh, the disciples got tired of her. And for she cried after us. But he answered and said, I am not sent but unto the lost sheep of the house of Israel. Then came she and worshipped and saying, Lord, help me. You know, Christ answers not a word in the beginning. He often tests people and evaluate people before answering anything for them because God always works by faith and he always wants to observe the heart and also the speech. And he was probably testing her 
faith in this matter, and also if her heart was pure. And uh, when he doesn't answer, this woman goes to bother the disciples now. And disciples are not fed up. And so they ask the Lord Jesus Christ to send her away because she is bothering them. And Christ answers her, I came for the house of Israel and for the Jews and not for the Gentiles. And that was true. Jesus Christ came to his people, the chosen people of God, the Messiah. I, uh, the Messiah did for the Jews. And uh, 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 as we think about uh, uh, the time, uh, how Messiah would be cut off in Daniel chapter 9. And he was cut off. He was crucified. And, of course, the schedule of Israel will wait until the seven-year tribulation. And we're not going to talk about all that. But I'm just simply saying historically, and as we think about God's sovereign plan, Jesus Christ did come for the house of Israel first. And he was denied and, and rejected by his own people. And that's why he was crucified. But then as, we, as she hears these words, she go, comes again to Christ and worships and, and says, Lord, help me. She had the faith to have the cry of importunity. She goes to Christ, help me. Christ doesn't say anything. She goes to the disciples. The disciples says, oh, we're tired of her. Jesus, would you let her go away? And then as she doesn't give up. And then she asks the Lord, help me. Even when Jesus says, I didn't come for you, I came for the house of Israel. Jesus was testing her. By the way, did Jesus talk to other land of Gentiles? He did. Remember the woman at the well? She was a what? Samaritan. She was half Jewish. But you see that dialogue, how he tested her too, right? And even, the, even with the Jewish people, the young rich ruler tested him. Did you obey all the commandments? And at the end, he loved riches so much that he couldn't follow Jesus. You see, Jesus always tests the heart. Before he gives anything, he always tests. And even those blind men of, uh, uh, blind men of Bartim- uh, 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 Bartimaeus, uh, they said, Have mercy on, Lord, uh, mercy on me, the son of David. And Jesus says, Do you believe that I could do this? He often asks, do you believe that I could do this? He always asks a question. He always tests them first. So that their heart is pure. So that they're really sincere about the situation before he gives anything. And sometimes God is testing our faith. Our petition. Are we going to have a cry of importunity? Importunity is begging. Consistent cry for answer. In a story in the Gospel of Luke is also helpful. A friend asked for bread in the mis- middle of the night because he has a guest that had recently come. Can you imagine somebody knocking on your door? I don't know, at midnight, everyone's sleeping. They knock on your door. Let's say I go to uh, uh, the Price's house. You know, I knock on his door at 12 o'clock. Brother Price, I have some guests over. And uh, I'm out of bread. And then Brother Price is like, we're all sleeping. He's lying because he just answered me, amen? And, uh, <laughs> and uh, you know, ah, we're all sleeping. And uh, my children are at the bed, and, and uh, we're all sleeping. Don't bother me. I keep on knocking. For the next hour, I keep on knocking. I keep on knocking. And Jesus gives that illustration, and then he says, hey, that man will come forward to the front door and give the bread to his friend, not because he's a friend, because of importunity. 
Now, Brother Price will give me that bread, you know, after that one knock, amen? I know he's gracious, and uh, I know he'll be there for me. But, uh, you know, it's a great story that Jesus gives here. And Jesus says, you've got to have the cry of importunity come. There's got to be some time where you have some prayer and fasting. Before you expect anything from me, would you, would you pray? That's why he goes on to say, in verse 9, and I say unto you in that same chapter of Luke after the story, Ask, and it shall be given you. Seek, and it shall find. Knock, and it shall be opened unto you. For everyone that asketh receiveth. He that seeketh findeth. And to him that knocketh, it shall be opened. You know, sometimes we give up too easily. We pray for a day, we pray for a minute, and then that's about it. Why don't you keep on praying, my friend? Maybe God is testing you. God is testing your faith. God is testing if you'll stick with it. God is testing if you truly believe, if you're truly sincere. That's why even the man who had a son possessed with the devil, and then he cries, would you do anything? If you can do anything, Jesus says, if thou believest, all things are possible to him that believeth. And the father says, I believe, but have thou my unbelief. Oh, Jesus was testing his sincerity. And the father was wanting to be so sincere. And he was begging and begging. And I believe God answered. His prayer because of importunity. And ladies and gentlemen, sometimes we just got to kneel and just cry and cry and ask God. Just keep on asking Him with sincerity. I think about a boy, uh, his birthday was coming up, and he happened to live with his parents and sibling and also even his grandparents. And he was shouting out all over the place in each room and everywhere he went to in his house, I want a new bike for my birthday. I want a new bike for my birthday. Kept on crying out, crying out, crying out. And the mother got fed up. And uh, why don't you pray to God about that? And then he started praying to God. And uh, uh, he started crying out and, and uh, saying, I want a new bike. I want a new bike. I want a new bike. And, and she got fed up with that too. And she said, hey, God is not hard of hearing. He heard you. Stop asking him. And then he said, I know God's not hard of hearing, but my grandmother is. <laughs> my in-laws came over yesterday. I wasn't there. I was in the CNC retreat, and uh, I came home, and he had a, my, my, uh, my youngest boy, Silas, who was born four weeks ago, he, he had an a, a orange uh, uh, clothes on, and then he said, uh, Grandma's Magnet. <laughs> Grandma's Magnet. It's creative how these shirts are always uh, uh, you know, geared toward grandparents, you know. And, uh, you know, grandparents will give you anything, amen? Okay. Sometimes if you can't afford it, you tell your kids, ask your grandmother. <laughs> they can afford it for you. And uh, grandparents are willing to just borrow your kids, yeah. And, uh, and that's a wonderful thing. And, but ladies and gentlemen, sometimes God doesn't just want to spoil you. Lord, and you didn't give it to me, and you're pouting. But God doesn't want to spoil you, spoil you with his blessing, no. He wants to grow you with his blessing. He wants to mature you. That's why Abraham had to pray and pray for his son to come. Just one son he needed, an heir. He didn't ask for a lot. God promised him too. But through that, he was able to grow, and that's why he was willing to Give his son as a sacrifice. 
even at the end of his life. He matured. God didn't spoil Abraham. And if you want to looking for a, if you want to be a spoiled Christian, you're in the wrong walk, my friend. You'll always be disappointed. Try for importunity. God will test you. God will fail to you, and God will see if you're sincere. And sometimes it takes time to pray. I hope you have the pride of importunity. Number three, the contentment with leftovers. The contentment with leftovers. Verse 26 down to verse 28. But he answered and said, It is not me to take the children's bread and cast it to dogs. And she said, True, Lord, yet the dogs eat of the crumbs which fall from their master's table. What a statement. Then Jesus answered and said unto her, O woman, great is thy faith. Oh, he was impressed. Be it unto thee, even as thou wilt. And her daughter was made whole from that very hour. You know, Christ simply calls her a dog compared to the Jews. And but what does she say? She doesn't say, I am tired of this. He has no compassion and he's calling me a dog now compared to the chosen people of God. She could have just easily, simply walked away. But she says, true, Lord, that's true. I don't deserve this. I know who I am. It's true I'm a dog. But it's also true that dogs eat from the master's table, the crumbs. She asked, at least, Lord, give me the crumbs. I'm not asking a lot. I'm not asking for a whole loaf of bread. Just give me some crumbs, God. Just give me some crumbs. That's all I need. And I know my, son, my daughter will be whole. Just give me some crumbs. You know, you just, you just need a little bit of God's mercy and grace. That will make the difference in your life. Just a leftover sometimes. And our, how our God is attracted to humility. Sometimes we like expecting so much, you know, which is great, but some guys we're so spoiled, and like I said before. And we just think like we deserve something better. But when's the last time you just said, Dear God, just give me just a little. Just give me some crumbs, that's all I need. I think about another woman who had the issue of blood. What does she do? Oh, for 12 years she asked and she asked for physicians to help her and spend all her money. Couldn't be helped by any doctors around. But she heard that Jesus was at hand. She comes to Jesus. She doesn't even speak to Jesus. She doesn't have to cry out to Jesus. She doesn't even talk to the disciples. But among the crowd as Jesus is walking, this woman comes forth and touches the hem of his garment. Because in her thought, if I just touch the hem of his garment, I don't need to speak to him. He doesn't need to promise me. If I just touch the hem of his garment, oh, I shall be whole. And she touched it. Guess what? The blood was dried up just that night. And Jesus walking, and she lo- Jesus looks around, and she says, who touched me? And the disciple says, what do you mean? Everyone's thronging after you. Everyone's touching you. And the, what are you talking about? But Jesus says, I believe he was saying, who touched me with faith? Who touched me? Had the faith enough to say, touch my hem, and I will be, I shall, I touch, touch his hem, and I will be whole. Oh, ladies and gentlemen, that's the faith that God is looking for. That's the humility. 
that God is looking for. If you want great things from God, then you've got to abase yourself, my friend. You've got to humble yourself and realize you don't deserve much, and you can't in any way expect to think that you deserve so much according to your analysis. No, we've got to realize that we don't deserve anything and that we are not, we're nothing before God. And, and when we do that, I believe that God will give us beyond our expectation. Ladies and gentlemen, we size up ourselves too big in front of God. And, uh, but we are nothing but a speck of dirt in this great universe. We often conclude to live as if God is not enough. No, God is always enough. Expect great things from him, and even with the crumb, even with the hem of this garment, little is much when God is in it. One of the memorable plea in the scripture was done by Esau. I love it. Esau was a, an example of quite a bitter heart. Want to kill his own brother. But I like what Esau said when he realized that the blessing was gone. He said in Genesis 27, verse 38, and Esau said unto his father, Hast thou but one blessing? You only have one? My father, bless me even also. Oh, my father. And Esau lifted up his voice and blessed him. He says, I know you have more. What a great picture how we shouldn't walk away from the Lord. Yes, we don't deserve much. Maybe you have done some things in the past and you don't deserve the petition that you're inclining to the Lord. But you could say, God, don't, you, you have more than one blessing I know. Would you just bless me with the crumb? Would you just bless me with the ham? Would you just bless me? I just want your blessing, that's all. I need you. I need you. Ladies and gentlemen, he is enough. He's sufficient in the Lord. Let him be your expectation. Oh, this lady that we talk about today, we don't even know her name. But I believe that we might see her in heaven. We probably will. And how glad she was in that moment that she didn't just simply walk away. But she said, Lord, truly, it is. I am a dog. And what I deserve is not a whole bread, but at least I could get the crumbs. Just give me the leftover of grace. Give me that. I'm sufficient. I'm sufficed to know that you could have, you could give me that blessing. And ladies and gentlemen, let's not get haughty. Let's not get so prideful. I deserve this, I deserve that. No, you don't deserve much, I don't deserve much. Would you be humble before God? Would you be humble?